Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast by the host and or the guest do not necessarily reflect the views of the host and or Paranormal Buzz Radio and or its sponsors. Use of any material produced by Paranormal Buzz Radio without express written consent is prohibited. Paranormal Buzz Radio will not be held responsible for you holding your knees, crying and rocking in a corner in a puddle of your own urine, or being beheaded by a group of children in a cornfield. In fact, if you come across a group of children in a cornfield, we promise to make fun of you as you run away screaming in terror. Listener discretion is advised. Ghost stories, folklore, psychics and mediums, shamanism, paranormal investigations, haunted locations, and all that other weird shit. You're listening to the Traveler's Moon Podcast with the Paranomad, Chris Nielsen, and Kelly McCarville, Moonspinner. Here are your hosts, Chris and Kelly. Oh, ow! What's up? Hello, boys and girls. Hello, boys and girls. Cats and kittens. Yeah. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. I don't know if that's copyright thing. <laughs> I, don't either. Um, I don't even know if I remember what that's from. That's a tiger king. So a year ago, when the world was going crazy because of pandemic, they were also going crazy for these guys in like Oklahoma on meth, who were just collecting wild <laughs> animals. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much where we were a year ago. Okay. We've, we've come a long way since then, I like to think. Sure, we'll go with sure. Yeah, come a long way since then, got to uh, experience things, and eventually the world opened up, which brings us to kind of the topic of tonight, uh, which is vacation. It's been about a month since our last vacation, so I think it's about it's time, time for another. for us to go again. <laughs> but obviously we can't take a vacation every month, so instead well, tonight why? we decided to run why this. Can't we take um, because we don't have sponsors. Ooh. Who would like to sponsor us? Yeah, we'll like live stream everywhere we get to go with you guys. We promise so, to tell you guys all about it. No? A chat's dead. I'm not seeing any volunteers. Damn it. All right. I guess we'll have to reminisce and live on the old ones here. It was a pretty cool freaking vacation. It was a cool vacation. Uh, so tonight we are doing plantation houses, battlefields, and voodoo. Yeah. Because uh, we were about a month removed from our uh, kind of vacation. We had the Nash Hoover show uh, between then and now, but we were spending a little time in the dirty, dirty. That could like, mean so many The dirty, things. dirty south. That's, if you know, you know. If you don't, 
See, and I think that's rude because the South wasn't necessarily dirty. Only New Orleans is dirty. No, there's definitely dirty spots in the South. I don't want to say anything wrong with dirty. I would say the dirty is kind of what I like about it. There's a lot of very pristine things. Oh, there are very pristine things when you get on a plantation houses. I don't know, I'm speaking. This is more of like an English posh, like. Yeah. I just to see the horses. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. So we, we visited a number of plantation houses one time down there. Lost me with the whole accent. I have zero idea it's where to go. Very, it sounds very bougie. Um, so yeah, tonight we thought we would just kind of uh, recap, reminisce. Um, so it wasn't intentionally a, a paranormal vacation. I know we go on some trips where it's like we're intentionally going to haunted locations, uh, doing actual investigations. And this was more a vacation that had a, had some spooky-ass accents. You know, but okay, let's be fair. I did pick a lot of the places based on the fact that they have that long history and potentially haunted and all that fun stuff. So it's a perk. So It's, a, it's I mean, a perk, but not the intention. The funny part about this trip was we had a couple stops along the way that we didn't necessarily say we were going to stay at this location because it was old and historic and might be haunted. And we still had things happen. A couple or one. Um, one for sure. I'm trying to think where, I mean, New Orleans where we stayed and some of the stuff down there. I don't know. It might've been haunted, but if, okay, so here's the deal, everybody. Um, we'll talk about voodoo on this show. We can't necessarily comment on our, our haunting experiences in New Orleans because, well, I'm trying to clink the ice in my glass. Oh, you guys. It went terribly. Uh, basically, lit. Yeah, well, so, okay. Yeah, here's here's my argument on this. And my, it, we enjoyed the many, many, many spirits of New Orleans. No, it was mostly... We think, green alcohol. But normally when we're out doing investigations, we're looking for something in the physical form. Physical, though. A physical would be great. Physical manifestation of something would be amazing. Most of our spirits in New Orleans were liquid. Liquid is still physical. Mm-hmm. This is why we need more science in the field, boys and girls. Yeah, whatever. Science, so, science. Uh, basically, what we thought we'd do tonight is uh, kind of go stop for stop on the yeah, the old New Orleans trip. New Orleans. We, we call it the New Orleans trip, but honestly... With There's all so much more to it besides New Orleans, yeah. and New Orleans might end up being what we talk about. The week. I was going to say, with everything that we have to talk about before we ever reach New Orleans, I don't know we're going to have a lot of time left in New Orleans. So, anyways. Stop one. Stop one. So, for anybody who hasn't done it, driving from South, or East Central Iowa down to New Orleans, that's a long-ass drive. In case you guys didn't know. So we took off in the evening on a Friday. And rather than driving all the way down there in one shot, we thought we'd drive away and we'd stop and stay someplace. I just kind of randomly looked on the map and chose a place to stay. <coughs> Excuse me. And we ended up in Perryville, Missouri. Had you ever heard of Perryville? I had, actually. Really? Yeah. I don't know the context in which it was, but like I knew Perryville, Missouri existed. I had never heard of it before. It was just some little random speck of a dot 
that I thought was far enough outside of a big town that it wouldn't be like super expensive. And what I did is I looked up a VRBO, um, which is vacation. <coughs> I got a tip. I am so, so far. Sorry, folks. Um, vacation rental by owner. Is that what VRBO stands for? Something like that. Anyways, however it works, these people own houses all over the place. They put them up for rent and you can go out and you can rent them. And what worked nice for us is we were traveling with nine people. So rather than having to get like three or four hotel rooms, we could rent a house and let all of us stay in this house. And it was way cheaper. So here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Then nothing super. It's around the coast. Dying. That might be. Um, and nothing super no worry about Perryville itself. It was a okay. I want everybody to take a second. Why don't you take a second? Close your eyes. Picture an itty bitty town in the Midwest. You probably have a pretty accurate picture right now. Pretty much. There's like, a town square. Yeah, like you, we looked out like the front porch, and it was just fields. Uh, nothing. Uh, nothing super special about Perryville. But in all reality, we weren't even in the little bitty town of Perryville. We were, if we were, we were on the very, very edge if we were in city limits. so yeah. We were just on the edge. We were coming in from the north, and before we even got into town, we found the house that we were going to be staying at. We pulled in at about 12.30 in the morning, I think it was. Yeah, no, by the way, I'm going to mention her beautiful ass several times in that lady so back. <laughs> Which is an inside reference for people who are actually on the trip. Um, so... So for those of you, a little bit about Chris, a van guy, it's kind of a weird niche to fall into, but I like big vans. I've driven big I thought vans. I you say you like big butts, and that would explain a lot. Why do you like me? Well, then I can't lie. <laughs> I'm a big van guy, big fan of vans, so Lady Silverback was a nice kind of chance to fall back into my own life. Just a little bit, just a little bit. He had a stupid little smile on his face for eight days in a row. It was hilarious. So anyway, the crew and ladies were back. Pull in to this house at about 1230, one o'clock in the morning after driving several hours. And it was just supposed to be a stop. Um, We get into the house. We could see that it was like a cute little farm just on the edge of town. There was a fire pit out back. You know, had we had more time, we would have made far better use of the house. Go inside. It's beautiful. It's clean. It's nicely set up. The comforters and the beds were amazing. There was room for everybody. And we're like, did you almost feel it? I thought about it. I really thought about it. But, you know, she was seemed nice and I didn't want to steal from her. So um, we thought we we're going to be there for like, I don't know, what were we were there? Like six hours. <laughs> Something like that. So we were just going to go in, crash, sleep get up and we didn't really expect anything to happen that night but we of course had to totally explore the house before anybody could tune in i didn't pick up anything when we were walking around the house originally i thought and i think so we both had our uh i forgot phrases we we both have our own like little things that would have for a reason we tune into. Um, so if I had to put a label on this vibration, I was brought up in very, 
uh, very Christian household, uh, very like morally set kind of thing. No, and, and I would say that I kind of got that feeling. I did. But let me hit you with why I got it more. Okay. Because I am the dude covered in various forms of body art. It wasn't the fact if, that we're traveling down the, down the Bible belt and every room in the house had a Bible in it. Well, that too. But I think that was like kind of lending towards it. So if you and I were both walk into a place full of, you know, judgy Christian Bible belters, just first glance without getting to know us, because obviously once they got to know you a little bit, they realize I've there's, seen there's a campfire fun. reference here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like just first glance, yeah. it's going to be me. Yeah. No, I get that. So I think that's why I got those vibrations earlier. Um, it still wasn't unwelcome. Oh, no, definitely not. And it's definitely not if they wasn't used to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know that really anybody else had – well, you had a little bit of an experience while we were there, I think. Oh, yeah. Do um, you want to share yours first, and then I'll share mine? Um, yeah, sure. Um, so uh, it didn't really occur until after we'd gone like, into bed for the night. Uh-huh. And oh. it wasn't anything. <laughs> it wasn't anything overt. It wasn't anything that, like, when you say you see things, but like yeah, you're pointing at your forehead. Yeah. It was it was very much impression based. And what I got was a very proper old woman uh, in the corner of the room who was first of all appalled and unwed couple sharing a bed. <gasps> but it was just a lot of. She was there, and then there was judgment, and that was uh, yeah, that was about the extent of it. But it was definitely something that I felt like I was kind of tapping into. It was a former person, like who owned the house, yeah. or at least a, to the, the property land or but. something. Yeah, um, which it was funny because when he was telling me that the next morning, it was sparked by the conversation of um, so we were sleeping. Chris and I were in the master bedroom. And when you walk into the room, it's a, it was a big room, I mean, a huge room. And so there was the door to get in and out of the room. And then there was a closet door and there was a bathroom door. And they were right next to each other, the closet door and the bathroom door. And in the middle of the night, I woke up and I realized there was somebody standing over in the corner of the room. And I thought it was Chris because it was obviously a male. And I thought he's trying to go to the bathroom and he's confused which door is which. Um, you know, because we've only been in the house for half an hour before we went to bed. And he, when he wakes up to go pee in the middle of the night, he's half asleep. So I was just getting ready to tell him, hey, you're not heading to the right room when I realized he's still in the bed next to me. And this wasn't a see him in my head thing. I saw the man standing in the corner of the room. I looked towards you, realized you're still in bed, looked back to the corner and it was gone. So, um, so that was why in the morning we're like, there was some, we were talking, there was somebody in the corner of the room and I'm like, it's a man. He's like, no, and I'm like, well, I had a man. Most definitely. So I didn't really get any feelings off of him though. Maybe, maybe the slightest bit of confusion, which I guess I just kind of played. And maybe that was me thinking you were confused trying to figure out where the bathroom was, but um, it wasn't, it didn't feel dangerous. It didn't feel scary. By any means, but. No, my main takeaway from that is, if you know Kelly, Kelly has been known to lovingly talk shit. Huh? And on occasion, she's been known to call me a bed hog. 
this story proves is not true because there's no way that someone who's a bed hog could be mistaken and be across the room. It could happen. When I'm sleeping on the two inches of bed that you allow me to sleep on, sometimes you roll over and give me three inches. So, you know. <laughs> We're going to keep moving. The three mansion was our next stop. <laughs> Um, yeah, Mama Pat was saying in chat that the place wasn't advertised as being haunted, and I don't know. No, I don't think it was. I think yeah. had this been a normal people staying there. Yeah, had like- okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, This been someone's house, and it was a younger couple who moved in. One of those two in the younger couple happened to have been tattooed, and they just didn't have that more conservative uh, look and approach and you know, mentality to them. I think they would have called their local paranormal investigation. Hey, something's happening in the house. Yeah. I don't think this was something they intend. Like, I don't even think the owners knew it was haunted. Oh, gosh, no. I don't. I think most people going in well, know it's haunted. And I, I was going to say, I don't even know that most people who would rent the location would under, would maybe experience anything. I think it has to do with the fact that we're maybe a little more tapped into that, you know? Yeah. Or, like you were saying, if there was a couple that lived there all the time, I could almost see even the feeling you were getting originally that they'd get used to the people living there and that feeling would kind of dissipate, you know? Um, I don't know. It was kind of interesting though, because here this was supposed to be our, our one quote, quote, safe space. And lo and behold, I saw something doesn't happen to me very often. So anyways, after our extremely restful six hour stop to get some sleep, um, we got up the next day and we continued to drive the rest of the way to Vicksburg, Mississippi. And for those of you that might be thinking about going down to Vicksburg, Mississippi in a 12 plus passenger van, I would not recommend the downtown area. Yes. Like, like along the river specifically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Vicksburg is an old town, obviously. Like so um, One car wide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it contributed to my alcohol consumption. Not while he was driving. We were perfectly safe. Most of the safe. time. We were perfectly safe. Um, so Vicksburg is obviously an old southern town. It was around during the Civil War, which is part of the reason that we went to Vicksburg. Um, now, several of us who were on the trip had taken a trip down to New Orleans before and had gone through Vicksburg. So we we were aware of the town at the very least. Um so we wanted to make sure when we got there to go to the national one of these days I'm going to remember the actual name of the park the national the Civil War National Park or something along those lines the Vicksburg it, it's a park the pamphlets literally in the back seat of your car yeah too. Um, this park is the location of the siege of Vicksburg um, now before I went to Vicksburg it was kind of interesting I'm going to back up and go to the first time that I went down there. It, it happened by circumstance. We, again, were trying to not have to drive the entire distance the whole time, and I wanted a place to stay. I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could stay someplace, like, tied to the Civil War? Um, but 
I decided let's not tie us into having to stop at a certain place. We're just going to drive until, and I found Vicksburg. I knew this, there was this park here. I knew there'd been this huge civil war battle there, but I opted not to reserve a place. I thought we'll just drive until we're tired and see where we get. So we were heading down the road and we were around Memphis. I think it was. And I said, let's drive another. I was driving. I said, I'm going to drive about another hour or so, and then we'll stop. And that we'll find a place to stay. Where does that put us? Mama Pat looks at the map. She's like, that puts us in Vicksburg. So whatever reason, I was meant to go to Vicksburg. So we had to take everybody back when we went back this next time. And Mama Pat for the win, Vicksburg National Military Park. Thank you, Mama. can always count on her. All right, so anybody who doesn't know about the, the siege of Vicksburg, because I didn't before going there. I just knew it was the, the site of a, of a battle. Um, the siege of Vicksburg occurred from May 18th to July 4th on 1863, and it was a very decisive Union victory. Um, Vicksburg is located right along the Mississippi River. Um, it's Vicksburg, Mississippi. I haven't said that. It's in Mississippi. Um and the reason that this location was so important was it was like a controlling spot for the North and the South for transporting supplies and communications and like vital lifeline goods from the North to the South or the South to the North. And the North knew that they could use the, the South could use Vicksburg to completely cut them off and basically render them useless by not sending them any, any steel, any food, any cotton, all the stuff that they needed. Um, and they didn't want, they didn't want to lose that access. So Vicksburg was this huge, huge battle. Um, the siege of Vicksburg raged on for 47 days. When all was said and done, there was an estimated, and this park is probably, I don't know, maybe eight square miles, something like that. It's not huge by any means. It's nowhere near the size of Gettysburg, the battlefields in Gettysburg. Um, but when all was said and done, there was 1,000 estimated, 1,611 soldiers killed, 5,878 wounded, and 29,784 missing or captured soldiers. And the majority of those were Confederates for all of it. Um I didn't have a lot happen on the battlefield this particular time for me. Um, but I know that the first time that I went down there, it was so overwhelming to be in this area. And I've always, for anybody who knows me, I've always had this, this connection to the civil war for whatever reason. And just what, what, uh, What a, a ridiculous waste of life it was. So, so, so many thousands of men and women dead from this, this and children from the, the, the stupid war, you know. Um, and that was a lot of what I felt when I was going through the park the first time was just anger and frustration and irritation and sadness. And at one point, We'd gotten up to the top of the hill, and there's plaques all throughout the park. There's blue plaques where the Union soldiers were, and there's red plaques where the Union brigades were. And 
or, or their Confederate brigades were. And at one point they're like 20 feet away from each other and they were fighting hand to hand in these spots. And that's, the, that's where they're, they were set up their brigades or battalions or whatever they are. Um, and I was mad. I was so mad. And I'm standing on the top of the hill and I'm saying, it's so stupid, the fighting. And they were face to face. And, and I don't remember what anybody even said to me, but I said, we were standing right here and they were there and we were killing them, you know, like, like I had tapped into a soldier that was there, you know? So I almost think this time going in, I protected myself a little more. It was, it was pretty overwhelming. Um, what did you have happen there? Or do you want me to share other people's stories first? Okay. Um, so pretty much everybody, and you can see in chat that, you know, Cynthia and Pat and, and Gail had all said, you know, that it was just, it was very emotional, very overwhelming. Um, and that's what Gail had said too. Um, Cynthia had a soldier asking her psychically, why am I here? And why did I have to kill another man? Um, but yeah, pretty much everybody had just kind of commented on how heavy it was. And I, I don't know when it comes to the, the heaviness, I don't get me wrong. It's an undeniable factor, but I think that's almost close to like the, the ones that stop me after thought. Like the star. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's more of the field that, you know, the idea of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's even the idea of the situation. I, I think that energy of the interaction gets but I think what I got was closer to the actual interaction. I was jumpy the whole time, looking over my shoulder, feeling slightly paranoid, like somebody who would be in battle yeah. would be feeling. I think realizing the depth and the ridiculousness, it, it's more of a, a reflection on the battle itself. And I was feeling a lot of the like paranoia, like looking in and granted during the time there wasn't a tree line in those areas, right. but like looking into the tree line, waiting to see someone come out and getting ready to, you know, kind of keep my head down. And it was a lot of that residual stuff. And for the first time, I almost wasn't, particularly grateful for my ability to see stuff. I understand. Um, we were at the, I can see it. I just don't remember what monument it is. It's the one with the big, uh, big dome ceiling. Um, but it's on top of the hill and about. you can oversee a bunch of hills and, you, from there, you kind of make out the trenches and stuff. That wasn't the Mississippi. Was no, maybe I'm not totally sure though. Anyways, and it was, I was getting in the house. Yeah, yeah, and I'll turn what you're talking about. It was getting not just like like seeing, but actually seeing bodies mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, I had that in Gettysburg. And it's crazy to see them just stacked on top of each other and like literally not like somebody stacked them, but just that's where they fell. They were not one body deep. It was multiple bodies deep, you know, and just, yeah. And it was weird because I could see where it happened in real time, like where somebody, uh, 
there was a mortar explosion and there were three or four of them. And I didn't see the physical explosion stuff, but like what happened to their body. Mm-hmm. And at one point somebody had said something and this, keep in mind, some of the stuff was happening while I was drunk, mm-hmm. which was not good. I was having to keep an eye on him pretty close. Um, at one point, somebody had said something to the effect of, oh, can you imagine, like, having to, like, oh, the missing people, all they found was a leg. And I don't know. What you would classify this as. But I've got the mental image followed by the physical sensation of a cold, dead leg in my hands and having to throw it into a pile. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is there were so many, so many of the soldiers that are, were marked down as the missing or unidentified. That's where that conversation came up because you have to think with these, with these mortars going off, they were blown to beyond recognition and maybe all you would find is a leg. And in those days they weren't covered in tattoos to say, Oh, I know that leg, that one belongs to Chris. You this know? is exactly why I'm glad every like chunk and sub chunk of my body has at least one tattoo on it. <laughs> so when you're blown to pieces, I can know it's you. It's, yeah. So like great. you find that. like a, a dragon with mirror near, um, be like, Oh, that's Chris leg. Or, gee, thanks. I'm so glad you're thinking of me. Like, cause that's like, you know, or right leg. You find like a burb and okay, let's not even talk about this. I don't yeah. know. Just no, no, but no, I get exactly what you're saying. It was just, what position will I ever be where I'm like, I don't, know. I don't want to think about it. We're just going to pretend that's not ever going to be a possibility. So, but just how sad. I mean, how how ridiculously sad. So, um, so we're going to move on. So after the, the Vicksburg, we went to the park first, went and stayed at the Duff Green Mansion. We are only on the third thing. We're not going to do this tonight, are That's we? why I tap my watch at you. We might run over a little fun. bit. Yeah. All right, so um, the Duff Green Mansion is located in Vicksburg, Mississippi, as well. It was built in 1956 by Duff Green for his wife. Um, his wife was a socialite, basically. She loved to entertain people, so he built it just huge and grand to entertain people. Um, when the war reached Vicksburg in 1963, this mansion was actually saved because they designated it as a hospital for both the Union and the Confederate soldiers. So that's really the only reason that it was saved, along with kind of the neighborhood. They tried to avoid bombing this or blowing up this mansion, although it didn't save it completely because there is one of the rooms in the mansion where there's a hole in the ceiling and they put a piece of plexiglass over it. Did I say 19? Sorry, 1856 and 1863. Both what I meant, guys. Um, but in one of the rooms, there is where you can see where a cannonball came through the roof, and they've they patched it over to show this perfect circle of a cannonball coming through. Um, so throughout the years, this history has been first off the grand home that they built, and then the hospital. Um, it was a soldier rest home, and then it was a boys' orphanage before finally becoming the Salvation Army's headquarters. So it's been a lot of different things. Um, now, during the Civil War time, when it was a hospital, they actually did a lot of, I mean, it was Union and Confederate soldiers. They were bringing them in. They were wounded, and they had to try to, to fix them and help them. So there are places where um, in the 
dining room, I think it is. Um, I don't know what room you'd call it, actually. Um, but one in, in one of the front parlors, you can actually still see where there's a blood stain on the floor from one of the wounded soldiers who had been brought in. Um, and then one of the other stories is when they were doing some of the landscaping for um, just outside one of the first level bedrooms, they were digging to put in, I want to say a flower bed is what they said, and they started digging up bones. But it wasn't full skeletons, it was arms and legs. And what they, what... And this lady, <laughs> this lady, go on. So, there was a room in... With Lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the house that was designated to be the amputation room. And at, at one point throughout, throughout the history, they were doing so many amputations so quickly that they'd bring the soldier in, they would cut off whatever limb they needed to, and they would chuck it out the window and bury it. So right what there. room did this lady decide we absolutely needed to be booked into? <laughs> but it's also the room where supposedly... Supposedly? Supposedly... A soldier is seen. Um, a soldier with an amputated leg is seen by the fireplace. Super easy, super easy for you to say you don't see shit. <laughs> see it in my head. No, I'm saying. Oh, okay. Well, well, what did you see? So I didn't actually really see anything. So, well, what are you complaining about then? It was, it was, it was the potential fine. of what could have happened. So. I just got two things out of our uh, our stay that night. And the first was, and I don't know if I was awake or asleep for this, so that I'm going to preface this whole story with that. But it's not the first time something like this has occurred. And I don't know if it's occurring in dream state, and it's a form of like astral projection for me. Um, this has also occurred to me at a place called Revenant Acre Farm, which I don't think is open anymore in Indiana. Um so at one point I remember, so the whole freaking time, I am actively keeping my eyes glued shut because I know if I open them, I'm going to see some motherfucker standing <laughs> at the foot of my bed. How cool would that have been, though? For, not for me. For you, <laughs> yes. Not for me. Um, so I'm expecting this. So I'm keeping my eyes shut, like shut, shut, like actively avoiding looking at anything other than my pillow. And there was a point where I remember rolling over, opening my eyes, which is counterintuitive, which is why I think for some reason I wasn't awake for it. 
And the other reason I say that is because visually what happened to me was strange. And it was the silhouette of a man standing there. But there was this weird aura coming off him. It was almost like the shadow of this guy was just vibrating at a very high speed and wavelength. Um, Which, you know, occurred to me. Man, that's a story for another time in Indiana. But, um, yeah, aside from that, I didn't really have anything anything happen. It was... There was, a, there was more, like, weird mental things throughout the course of the night. Like, I have the tendency to do, like, I'm sure most people do, where you're not high, you're not cold, so you put a single leg out. Yeah. And at one point oh, I, I had... I forgot about that. At one point I had the thought, like, I'm underneath this white blanket and just my legs just hanging out. And my thought was, like, oh, that's the leg we're supposed to take. And I was like, fuck, nope, nope, nope. And I just decided to be hot all night because I couldn't have a leg sticking out from under the blanket like I usually do. Because I, mean, I was afraid so I was going to take my leg. Yeah. So, and for anybody who doesn't know, I've got me. And I remember thinking at one point throughout the night, he had already fallen asleep, and I just made a comment of, oh, my God, my leg hurts so bad. And I'd had the same thought. Well, that's the leg. And I'm like, no, let's n- nobody cut it off. This is not – it's not that bad. I want to keep it, you know. Um, but it was funny that we both had that. And I'm sure part of that came from because we were in the surgeon, surgery amputation room. But how funny to have that thought that I'm like, oh, my God my leg is killing me. And then I'm like, no, no, leave it where it is. <laughs> you know, um, the only thing I would say about that room and seeing the soldier by the fireplace is I'm not discounting anybody who's actually had that happen. Oh yeah. I that we did bit. think that there's maybe some logical explanations for that. So the bed that we were sleeping in was a four poster bed and the poster, the, the post that's at, that was at the foot of the bed on, well, on both, both sides. Um, it could have been mistaken as they, as a torso of a man. It was roundish and then it got narrow at the top. And then there was like a clock behind it on the fireplace mantle that could have been seen as the head. So I could almost see how somebody could wake up, have their eyes all fuzzy, be half awake, see that and think, Oh my God, there's a man standing there. But it definitely didn't look like a soldier. It just looked like a figure. So people who say they've seen the soldier, maybe there's more detail to it, or maybe they're just hearing the story and freaking themselves out. But I didn't have anything really happen in our bedroom, but that does not mean that the people that we stayed with did not have things happen in their bedroom. So um, we ended up having three rooms in the mansion. Basically we had the Dixie room, which is in the first floor. And then everybody was else was on the third floor and they had the Duff green suite which was one of the nicest, biggest suites in the mansion. It was obviously for Duff Green and his wife. And then the connecting room was the nursery. And that's where everybody else slept because we put all the naughty kids in the nursery. <laughs> Kidding. Um, so throughout the night in the nursery, um, our friend Stephanie that was with us actually heard a young child call out mommy. And then Cynthia who I believe is in chat still had actually heard children giggling when she first got into the nursery. Um, so those were both audible things that they heard with their ears. But we also had some like, we had a bunch of people with us who have abilities or have a little bit of insight how to use, use their abilities. So there was a lot, a lot of things that happened that were somewhat as psychic. I don't even argue like uh, even the openness to having a certain level. Yeah. Ability. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, 
we had been out on the veranda of the third floor after we'd been there for the evening, we'd gone and gotten some supper and came back and we're just kind of hanging out. And we were sitting out on the veranda chatting while some people were showering. I can't remember exactly who all was out there, but I know that it was Cynthia Gale and myself. Were you out there when the, when I heard yeah. the conversation? Okay. I couldn't remember if you were, if Stephanie was or Mama Pat, I didn't remember. But anyways, Tin of blonde under the furniture. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Um, but we were talking because the three of us are are somewhat witches, if not witches, depending on how you want to look at all this stuff. But we were kind of having that conversation about, you know, here we are in the deep south in the very religious Bible belt, and we're a van full of witches and woo-woo people <laughs> traveling on this trip, and I wondered what everybody would think. And so we were talking about the witches wandering around town. And as we're having this conversation, the door, so the third floor, you go in the door to the floor and there's like a, what do you call that center, center, a foyer, a foyer? foyer. Is that what you call that middle section? I think it's to the entrance of the house, but. but. So there's a big middle section and then the rooms all, you go into three rooms on one side, three rooms on the other side. So anyways, yeah, there was a big area, a central area, not like a a person's room. And from just inside the door, I hear these two women talking and they're like, do you hear what they're saying? They're calling themselves witches. And another lady goes, no, just flabbergasted that there's witches sitting out on the veranda, just openly having this conversation appalled that these horrible evil witches were out on the the veranda having this conversation. And I'm trying not to giggle because the conversation is still going on. And so our conversation had kind of strayed to, you know, I don't know that we would have been called witches in the time of the civil war because you don't really hear them talk about witches. There was voodoo in the area, but we don't fall necessarily into voodoo. And so where would we fall? What would they have called us? And we're like, I said, I think we'd have been called spiritualists. And from inside, you hear one of the ladies go, oh, like it was all okay now because we were spiritualists, not witches. It was just the funniest conversation. So um, so I had that happen. And then the next morning, uh, Gail, who's with us, who's in chat, got up like she gets up stupid early, people, like stupid early. So she was sitting out on the veranda having a cup of coffee um, and enjoying her, her time. And she had an experience where um, she physically saw a lady dressed for a party, which if you remember when I was telling you the history of the Duff Green Mansion, um, Mrs. D- Green loved throwing parties. That was one of her main things she loved to do. Um, so she saw a lady dressed for a party and a gentleman in a uniform. So we had quite a few experiences at the mansion for sure at that mansion at Duff Green. It was super fun. I would love to go back there and actually spend more time. Like there. actually maybe investigate too. We'd have to get so many of the rooms so we could make that happen. But so we got up the next morning. Then we went to the Myrtle's plantation. We all loaded into Lady Silverback. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give him opportunities to do that. Um, and we headed off to Myrtle's plantation. 
And unfortunately, we opted not to stay at Myrtle's this time. We were just there to eat lunch at their amazing restaurant and do the tour and, and walk around and just kind of check it out. So, oh, yeah. Um, do you want to do Myrtle's history? Mm-hmm. Maybe do yeah, it. Go for it. Okay. So anybody who has not heard of Myrtle's Plantation, first off, climb out from under a rock. Second off, um, it's located in St. Francisville, Louisiana. It was built in 1796 by General David Bradford, and not too long after, it was sold to his son-in-law, Judge Clark Woodruff, in 1820. Now, the original plantation home, when um, David Bradford built it, was really only half of what you see today. So it's interesting because when you walk into the foyer of that house, you can actually see like full windows, which would have been the outside of the original home. in 1934, the home was actually sold to Mr. Ruffin Sterling, and he added, like, the other half of the house and made it twice the size that it was originally was, and that's what you see today. Now, the reason that, well, one of the many reasons that Myrtle's uh, became so popular and has been noted as one of the most haunted locations in the United States stems from a, a photo that was taken in 1992. The owner was trying to take pictures for insurance purposes. Um, it was to get some fire insurance. And the insurance company had told her, we need you to take pictures of all of the buildings so we can see how close or far they are from each other. And there cannot be any people in the pictures. And so they were taking the pictures and she sent all the pictures into the insurance agent and she sent them back and said, we can't accept this picture. We said there can't be anybody in the picture. And she said, there is nobody in the pictures. I was there all by myself. When you go to look at these pictures in between the house, the original part of the house and what what is the general store, um, there's a breezeway between the two of them. And you can see what appears to be the figure of um, a slave girl who has her head wrapped up in a turban. Now, why is this significant? That has to do with the legend of Chloe. So um, Chloe was a slave girl and is rumored to be the mistress of Clark Woodruff. And the legend has it that um, Judge Clark Woodruff was having a meeting in the the men's parlor. And one of Chloe's bad habits was eavesdropping on the conversations that the family was having. Now, keep in mind, she was a slave. She was not supposed to be doing any of this. And she got caught. And as punishment for eavesdropping, um, Woodruff cut off her ear which seems extreme, but I suppose in the grand scheme of things, slaves probably suffered some further worse things than that. Um, But she didn't like the disfigurement and she took to wearing a turban on her head. So people couldn't see that she was missing an ear and she was kicked out of the house. Now she wanted to get back into the house because as a slave, if you're working in the fields, that's a pretty miserable work. If you get to work in the house, that's a little more plush at least. So she was, there's a couple stories of why she did this next thing. Some people say it was out of retaliation for him cutting off her ear. Some people say it was trying to get, to get back in their good graces. Um, but she decided that she was going to make a cake for the family and she was going to put something in the cake that would make the family sick. And then she would swoop in, nurse them back to health. She'd be back in the family's good graces and she'd get welcomed back into the home. Or she just really wanted to hurt them. It depends on what story you want to take. But she 
either on purpose or accidentally used oleander leaves, which are extremely poisonous. Um, when she fed the cake, when she actually made the cake and fed it to him, first off, Clark Woodruff wasn't even home. It was just the wife and the two kids. And rather than just making him sick, it actually killed them, all three of them. That's the story. Um, from there, Chloe ran to the slave quarters and said, and said, oh, my God, I've made this huge mistake. I've killed the family. And the other slaves, out of fear of retaliation, hung her and then threw her body into the Mississippi River because they didn't want to get in trouble for basically letting her live, letting her get away with this. Now, here's here's one of the things that I found while I was getting some of the history because I didn't couldn't remember when the house was built and all that. Historical records tell an entirely different story. There is no record of the Woodruffs owning any slaves. Um, Sarah, James, and the daughter Cornelia are all reported to have died of yellow fever. And Mary, the other daughter, lived well into adulthood. So that kind of throws off the story of the Myrtle's plantation. But you have to wonder how much of that is truth and how much is is not. Um, the other thing that the Myrtles is supposedly very well known for is this haunted mirror. Um, there's uh, superstition, whatever you want to call it, that um, supposedly when a person passes away, you cover up the mirrors. Otherwise, you risk that person's spirit being trapped in the mirror. Well, when the wife and the two children died, they missed this mirror that's now out in the foyer and supposedly their souls got trapped in the mirror. So um, when you listen to the tour guide, she'll try to point out the face of a woman in the mirror. Um, and other people say you can see handprints on the mirror. Personally, for me, I've never been able to see it. I've been there a couple times. I, did you see? I mean, I saw what people were looking at. No, but... I just wasn't getting it. I, I wasn't seeing it. Um, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't some weird things that happened there. Um, the, the one other piece of history, and this is a document. In fact, there is one murder that was recorded within the mansion and that was William drew winter. He was shot by a stranger. Some, a stranger had rode up on a horse, um, called out and said, is judge Woodruff in there? He, uh, this David winter, this William winter actually stepped out onto the front porch and the guy shot him. Now, the story is that he tried to get back inside and was climbing the stairs for whatever reason. He got as far as the 17th stair before collapsing into his wife's arms and passing away. Um, and the rumor has it is that people have heard the sounds of like what sounds like somebody crawling up the steps, but they never get completely to the top of the stairs. So, um, I'm looking at my notes here. Um, so we had, did you have any experiences? I know we, I've been talking no, for a while. just so. good food, honestly. Uh, if you ever have the opportunity to have a fancy brunch at the Moon's Plantation, really enough, I'd recommend the rabbit liver. Ew. It was a good time. Uh, the foodie and me had a, a good a good day that day. Mm. Yeah. The cornbread, for some reason, like somehow they make cornbread almost bougie. It was fantastic, but this is not a food-based podcast. So. Oh, I don't know. It was really good food. It was very good. I ate stuff you'd never believe I ate, but it was really good. Um, so we did have a few experiences there. I'm so, I feel like I'm talking long. I didn't have any. Go ahead. Um, so one of the experiences that um, I had while we were at the mansion, actually both things happened during the tour. Um, we were down 
taken the tour and there was way too many people on the tour. First off, like way too many people on the tour. So they take you into these itty bitty rooms and not everybody could fit into the room. And at one point, Gail and I were standing out in the foyer and a bunch of people were off in another room. And we both very clearly heard someone, what sounded like the front door, like somebody trying to open it or somebody actually opening and closing it. And there were bells involved, but we were looking right at the door. Nobody had come through the door. Um, and the interesting part of that is they were just at the tour guide was actually just at that time talking about the kids and how they like to um, run around the house and interact with the people. So was it the kids? Who knows? Um, but also as I was standing out in that area, there's these great big windows because keep in mind that used to be the front of the old house. And I was looking into what would be the ladies parlor and I could see somebody walking around in there. And so I'd get up and I'd go look to see if there's anybody actually in there, like another tour group or a tour guide or somebody. And there's nobody in there. There's, I, I don't know what would have, what I would have been seeing. So that was pretty cool. Um, from there, we moved into the actual dining room. And, um, and, uh, we, she, the tour guide was telling us about, you know, southern meals and how the kids would play around in the room. And as we were getting ready to leave the dining room to go into the ladies parlor, I very distinctly felt someone pull on my shirt, like or like my shirt had got stuck on something. Um, and what it felt like to me is like somebody had like something on the bottom of the table had grabbed it and tugged on my shirt. And so I turned around to see you know, had I read, I, I stopped moving first off because I'm in a home full of stupid old antiques that they really wouldn't find using if I broke. Um, and I wasn't close enough for anything to have bumped me. I wasn't close enough for my clothes to get snagged on anything. There was no explanation for why it felt like my shirt had been pulled. But, um, but uh, I didn't think anything of it at the time. But as I, I think Gail was right behind me, and I said something to her, and she said, "Well, they said that the kids used to." hide under the table and, and mess with people. So yeah, who knows? Um, where are we at for time here? Uh, we have approximately five oh, minutes. Gosh. I feel like we can knock out one location in five minutes. We probably can. If we go just a touch over, are you guys all good? Are you going to stick with us if we go about 10 minutes over? It's only barely saying half of the fact will, so go on. Okay. Because from Myrtle's, after stuffing ourselves full of amazing food and doing the tour, we traveled on to Oak Alley Plantation. Gorgeous. It's so pretty. It's so pretty. I love Oak Alley. It just it's makes a very, me happy. A very picturesque place. It is. It's so, so pretty. Um, okay. Oak Alley. It's located in Battery, Louisiana. Is that how you say that? I think so. Okay. Um, Oak Alley was and has and always been, it currently is still a sugar plantation. It was built in 1837, and it was built entirely by slave labor. It's known for this long line of century-old oak trees, and you can actually see this line of oak trees in several movies. I can't remember them all, but the most memorable for me is um, Interview with a Vampire. When Louis is riding up to his home and he's riding between those oak trees to the front of the plantation home, that's Oak Alley. Um, so the, the plantation itself has a ton of history, but very honestly, there's very little documented about the hauntings of this location. 
And the funny thing is, because we're, we had a van full of ghost hunters, um, we would ask people, and we've asked the first few times we were there too, and everybody's pretty tight-lipped about wanting to talk about the hauntings. And I'm pretty sure it's because they've been told that they're not supposed to talk about it. But we still get people to tell us. <laughs> so um, we had rented three cabins while we were out there. And uh, the three cabins that we rented, each building itself was over 100 years old, and they were the old crop share buildings. Um, one of the cool things about that is even though they weren't large, each one of them actually had living quarters for up to four people or four families. And we figured that out because in the center of each cabin, there was this fireplace that opened up in four different directions. One fireplace went into four different directions and it it was because that little bitty house, it was divided into four sections for four different people to live in. It was so cool. Um, We didn't get to walk the grounds. No, it was raining. It was. We were super excited to get to go and hang out, like sit out in front of the plantation house because when you stay there, you get to wander the grounds all night long if you want to. But uh, the skies opened up and poured torrential rains, and and we decided not to. Not to mention one of the other times we were there and we went wandering through the grass, one of the worst case of chiggers I'd ever gotten in my life. It was miserable. Um, But we had a wonderful meal and sat outside for a little bit, and then we all headed back to our cabins, and I think that's where things started to happen for people. So... um, Cynthia said that she was hearing voices and crying during her time at Oak Alley. Part of that was when she was in her cabin and part of that was when she was doing the tour, like walking through the slave quarters. Um, She said nothing was really distinguishable, but it just sounded like soft conversations, stuff like that. Um, I think probably, and I know that Howard had an experience. I can't remember exactly what it was, but Howard was probably one of the most muggle people with us. He's interested in all of this, but he's never really done anything as far as like ghost hunting. And I know he had an experience, but I can't remember what it was. And I didn't hear from him before the show. Do you remember? I do not recall. I don't we had a pretty cool experience in our cabin though. But you did. I was, that was, in I was asleep. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, so that night we stayed at Oak Alley one night. We actually, like I said, stayed there on the grounds. Um, and we stayed in cabin three and it was Chris and myself and our friend Gail. Um, and as I mentioned, Gail is a stupid early riser. Um, so around 5am I heard someone, what I I assumed was Gail getting up, um, started making a, a few noises around the cabin. And specifically what I'd heard was a door squeak. And I thought, well, she's up, she's going potty. She's just, doing her morning stuff and was going to go take a shower. So I went back to sleep. Um, Gail woke up around 8 a.m. and started to get ready for the day. Now, keep in mind, I said I heard the door about 5 a.m. Gail got up about 8 a.m. So she started taking her shower. And the bathroom in this location actually had like two separate areas. There was the toilet with a door and the shower with a door. Um, so she's in the shower and she heard, again, she heard a door squeak and just assumed that Chris or I had gotten up and we were using the potty um, because she'd heard that door squeak again. Well, I heard her actually get in the shower then after eight when she'd gotten up. 
um, we were both still in bed. So it wasn't us. We didn't think a whole lot of it. But while we were talking later that morning, we discovered that we had both heard like sounds of people moving and this door squeaking. And we're like, well, what the hell? And the other people were both in bed and we're like, well, what the hell? So we'd walked all over the cabin trying every single door in the house, every screen door, every inner door, every outer door, not a single door in the house squeaks, not one of them. So um, that was pretty cool because we both had the same experience individually without knowing that the other had had that experience. It was fun. It sounds like fun. You slept through it all. I mean, this vacation you're supposed to sleep. <laughs> We were so tired by that point. We've been going hard. From Ocali, we got up and went to New Orleans. Past New Orleans, I don't remember much. I mean, I, I, mean, do. I remember. I do. I remember a lot. But I think I remember almost all of New Orleans. I do. There's a blind spot here and there. There's a few blind spots because we reminded you one morning after of some of the things that you didn't remember. Like the man playing with your pecs. and Not playing with your pecs, but appreciating your pets. Yeah. If I recall from your story, you didn't believe they were real. Well, I think he was just looking for an excuse to touch them, if you want my opinion. Um, Because at that point in the evening, Chris was walking around shirtless, and we were soaking wet because it had been raining all day. Not all day, it had been raining all night. So he's walking around in a kilt, just a kilt, just a kilt. Um, Yeah. He had a lot of attention that evening. New Orleans is a fantastic city. I don't know. It's a... I don't know if I could ever actually do any real investigating in New Orleans because the vibe of New Orleans itself, um, it, it, it sweeps me up way too easily. I think my personality is way too conducive to the the big easy vibe of New Orleans. It's just I think it would be very hard to to investigate there because there is no place that you can go that you're by yourself, like ever. Even in the apartment that we we rented and we stayed in, it was. I mean, it was one of three apartments and there were shops downstairs and there were people outside. It's never quiet. It's never quiet. That's why everybody drinks themselves to sleep. And honestly, our place was, it was very nice and it was honestly not all that noisy, but it's just, it's never quiet. So. So yeah, we had promised people voodoo. We did. We did really experience a lot of like voodoo activity. Although I think that requires a second trip down to like actually get a real voodoo experience yeah we did most definitely hit the voodoo shops um my my bank account will tell you just how good of a time i had in new orleans between the alcohol and the shopping it hurt but it was so much fun i'm ready to do it again oh yeah we definitely have to go back let's go back and totally focus on voodoo and the Death Museum and yeah, Alistair Crowry. Like Crowry. Crowry. Different reference. All right. Well, I feel like we've run over our time. That about we it? have. I talked so much. All right. So everybody. Wait, what are we doing next time? I don't know. We have not decided at all, have we? TBD. You guys are going to find out out when we figure it out. (laughs) Normally we plan better than this. So until then, thank you for tuning into the Travelsman Podcast. As always, I am your co-host, the Paranormal Chris Nielsen. 
I'm telling the problem once again. Hey, if you're listening to the live show and in chat, just know that we love you. If you're not in chat in the live show, we love you, but we just love you a little bit less. Stop saying that. I don't actually love you less, but you should definitely be in chat. Either group of people, live show or non-live, you can find us anywhere on social media at Traveler's Moon. Uh, we got all sorts of fun, cool stuff coming up. Nothing for the next two weekends. Yes. Uh, we, we had, had a cool solstice show coming up on the, uh, on the weekend of the 18th. Yes. Eight weekend of the yep. 18th. And so that's our next event. It's the summer after solstice. After that, you'll be finding us at Lenton at St. Louis and so the Waverly Hills Sanatorium I'm so excited. in Louisville, Kentucky. So. You'll probably hear from us again when we figure out what the next show is going to be. Good night, you sexy beaches, and thank you for tuning in. Night.